I said, I need to sell my stuff online. Can you do that for me? And that's not a clear brief. Like that's on me. And I did say, I have to be able to edit this, but I didn't tell her what my capabilities were. I said, I can use WordPress. I'd use Elementor, but she didn't ask me, can you use Tiva or whatever it was that she ended up using. And so there, it's always a two-sided thing. And if you can step back and say, where am I falling short? Where are they falling short? And how could we fix this? Or can we fix this? And then if not, how can we not burn our bridge moving forward? Because I've noticed that people in our circles often come back around in places that we least expect them. And if we burn those bridges, we've essentially cut ourselves off from some really fantastic adventures that we would have otherwise missed out on. It's something I love thinking about while I'm lying awake at night looking at the stars. Welcome to the She Leads Business Show, where I shine the spotlight on female owners of growing small and medium-sized businesses. You're in the right place if you want to ditch the stress and firefighting, stop working too many hours, despite having team members, and never compete on price again. I'm Una Doyle, founder of creativeflow.tv. I'm a speaker, business strategist, and impact coach. Business owners hire me to help them to build a business they could sell tomorrow, but they probably don't want to because it's highly profitable. It's fun to run because they and their team are in creative flow and they get to make a bigger impact on the world. In every episode, myself and my guests share the strategies, stories and wisdom to help you to achieve this too. Now, let's get on with the show. Hello and welcome back to She Leads Business. And today I am so happy to have with me Nikki Sterrett. Nikki, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Lovely. I think what Nikki does is amazing. She's selling an exclusive line of very special Turkish towels. They look amazing. And yeah, and specializes in custom towels, private brands and marketing merchandise. And her company is called Pump and Sass. Nikki, we were going to dive into your company and where you're going later on. But for now, I just want to get to know a bit more about you. So tell me, what's your most prominent memory in growing up? Oh, goodness. That's a very good question. My youth was very strict and we had a lot of rules and a lot of uniforms. So we would have the school uniform and the dance uniform and the church clothes. And we, we had a lot of very regimented days. And my most prominent memory is sitting around the table with my family. My mother really valued having family over. So every Sunday, my grandparents would come over. We would have this lovely meal. Usually we would make the family pie with the family pie crust. And we would all have a conversation. And we would, at the time, there wasn't the cell phones to distract us. But we wouldn't have those distractions. We would just talk with one another, have that community, and truly connect. And then, of course, after dinner, there was the tea and the pie. And that we would do this every single week. And it was something that I held very dear. It was a moment out of our very busy schedule. And when we're talking about being very regimented and being very strict about how our time was spent, I loved that was something that we really made sure happened. 
So that schedule really worked for you. Did you feel a bit hemmed in by the kind of uniforms and the regimen? Or was that security for you? It was a little bit of both. So when I was growing up and I was an angsty teenager, I wanted to break out of the mold. But at the end of the day, I love a good routine. I love being able to look forward to that first cup of coffee in the morning, the routine of I know what holidays are coming up and I can look forward to that. And so as much as I would like to say I wanted to break free and do my own thing, at the end of the day, I loved it. And it was this wonderful moment of security and looking forward to. Fantastic. I think it's interesting. That's one thing that's... I miss having come from a big family that I don't get to have those family meals much anymore. I've just recently come back from Ireland visiting family and we did get to have one. And I love it. I just love it. Like the the people around and everyone's chatting about different things. And yeah, it's that conversation. I think there just is something in us that if we think about prehistoric times and we were part of a clan, I think there's something in us as humans that likes to have that connection. I would absolutely agree. And even though our family's gotten much smaller in these most recent years, still getting together and having my mother over for just Sunday dinner, even though it's just her now, it's it's this really wonderful thing. And whether you're a large group or a small group and it's friends who you consider family or family who you consider family, It's one of those opportunities to get together, make eye contact and share a meal in a quiet setting that I think really is very precious to me. Wonderful. What about school? Did you enjoy school? I did and I didn't. There's always those ups and downs. I didn't have a lot of luck in in building a lot of friendships there were a couple of friendships that were very dear to me and once in a while i said to myself i'd like to really connect with a few of those people again and i'm not entirely sure why i haven't yet sometimes the past is best left in the past i don't want to open that up again but i love learning and i was privileged enough to go into a francophone education system i speak fluent french And here in Canada, what we do is we've got the French and we've got the English, we've got the French immersion. And I was able to experience the Francophone community and being able to experience that. And they're very joyful. They're very celebratory culture. And I was able to experience that. I come from a very sober, very quiet family. And so being able to experience that loud, boisterous fun-loving energy was oh, something I really rather relish. And uh, and now I speak both French and English, of course, in the Canadian way. So I would go to Paris. I don't presume having the beautiful accent. Presumably you would still be able to communicate. One would hope. So, yeah, I would be able to get by. But the Quebecois twang is very noticeable. It's it's like going to England with my very Canadian English accent. It's very noticeable that I am from somewhere else, but I'm a little bit twisted that way. I really enjoy that sort of adventure of shock or like, where are you from? So 
it's that little bit of a, an interest point to get me into the door and having a lovely conversation with someone. Definitely. Sometimes I confuse people because I have some people laugh when I say I'm Irish because it's been really obvious to them. And then other times people, where are you from? And I think when I'm in, particularly in networking situations or meeting a new people, I pick often who I'm talking to. When I talk to my sister, then my Irish accent gets very strong. When I talk to English people, I think I sound more English. And it's nothing conscious. It just happened. But yes, that's it often is a great conversation starter. Yeah. Absolutely. And I'm told that psychologically, that's actually you being a people person. And that has to do with you being rooted in empathy. So it's a wonderful thing. I often tend to change my accent just a little bit as well, especially if I'm talking to someone in French. My my English will change that little bit. My husband often laughed at me about because oh, I can hear your French again. You must have been talking about Quebec. <laughs> Fantastic. What was your favorite subject in school? Art. I love art, and and I to this day have a deep and unabiding love for art. I love the art history. I love the technique. I love the critique. I love the community. I love the silence of creating. I have this great passion for it. There's definitely something about being able to create uninterrupted that is very powerful, isn't it? Yes. We call it getting into the zone and being able to almost in a meditative way Focus on what you're doing with that self-expression and just enjoy that moment of creating. It's this wonderfully powerful moment that really can set you up for success mentally for the rest of the day. Indeed. And that's something that we talk about here a lot, which that being in the zone, I talk being in flow. And in fact, even with clients, I'm doing personality profiling with them to help them identify how to structure their business to be more in flow. And for a lot of creatives, client delivery is in flow, but what about the running of the business? So helping them to make sure, yeah, they're choosing the right business model, the right growth strategies, the right tasks and activities to focus on and either let go of or delegate, outsource the rest. Absolutely, especially with all of the different learning styles that we have and the different ways that our brains work and just the different personalities and preferences, it can be really powerful to understand who you are, what makes you tick in order to tap into that power and then being able to release those things that really you don't enjoy. And that's something I'm hoping we could talk about later on in this episode because that's something that I struggle with being the solo entrepreneur that I am, I'm trying to learn when and where and how to release that control because I really don't have time for it all. Indeed. Many of us who are more creative, we have a natural tendency to love control. Let's say nicely, control enthusiasts. <laughs> That's a very polite way of putting I appreciate that. It's very kind. It's, it's something I've experienced myself too. <laughs> and most of my clients do at some point or another, particularly when it comes to starting a team and things like that. Yeah, fantastic. 
So you clearly are a very creative person. You loved art as well. Where did you go next? Where did that take you? So I ended up getting into a four-year degree of illustration. I wanted to be a visual communicator. I wanted to solve problems with pictures. And I was really struggling at the time with a, an unfortunate amount of stress to some complications with my past. And I felt myself very much stressed out. I didn't have the clear, uh, let's say, daily structure that I really enjoyed. I didn't have the support anymore. I had to leave home. And I found myself in this very foreign situation going to art school, which was a very loose community, a very vibrant, intellectual, but with so much variance in preference and lifestyles that it was quite shocking to me. So I went into college. I didn't have a very clear sense of self at the time. And I was asked to create based on my own personality. And I thought, oh my goodness, what is that? But I ended up finding my best friend who ended up marrying. And him and I walked through life together. We figured it out. And I realized through all of our deep conversations, long games of canasta, lot of drawing, he is a magnificent artist. And being able to walk through that, I found out that I loved making puzzles with my art, which ended up becoming textile design. I loved reverse engineering a pattern so that you could take a 12 by 12 inch square, have it repeat on mass with this beautiful, intricate art that looked seamless. And that's a very difficult thing to do. And so I started finding myself deeply intrigued by this. And I ended up graduating from college. I went into textile design and I didn't look back for a very long time. At this point in my life, I had a very painful neurological disability. So I wasn't able to move or function. My brain was always bogged down by pain. It's called brain fog. But what I was able to do is hone in, have that slow moment, that then moment of creation and create this art. And so eventually as I moved through this, I became rather good at textile design. It's something that I quite passionate about. And I ended up becoming represented internationally by different textile design agencies, which was rather fantastic and brought me a great deal of joy as I navigated the pain and the disability and married life and all of that. And it was a very challenging 10 years of my life, but I was still able to find moments of joy. I know we We've had a few conversations about textiles because regular listeners will know I sew as a hobby and anything to do with textiles and fabric is like, ooh, very exciting. <laughs> and I specialized in home decor and I've always been a little bit bewildered by fashion. I love a good vintage clothes. It's a pattern and a style that I know very well, but the fast fashions of today bewilder me a little bit. And so I gravitated more towards the home textiles. 
the wallpapers, the the furniture, the rugs. And I think that's why I ended up building my own household item instead of clothing line like everyone thought that I would, because it's something that I'm much more familiar with. And then, of course, once we get through my journey, then there's that beautiful story of recovery that I can share, if that's something that you're interested in hearing about. Of course. Awesome. So this is one of those feel-good moments that's not so great to live through, but it is really wonderful to hear. And so what happened was my husband and I got to a point where I had worked through my disability enough that I was willing and set up for success to be a disabled parent. And so we started fertility treatments because we were hoping to overcome the infertility that I was fortunately assigned to. And we overcame infertility thanks to the wonderful medical practices that are available here. And the pregnancy did this rather remarkable thing. I didn't find out until after I was pregnant because the doctors omitted to tell me this. But there was a chance that my disability could get worse. There was a chance that my disability could get better. And there was a chance that it could be cured altogether. And so would have been really nice to know, but they said that it was very rare that it would be cured altogether. And so I'm very happy to say that was something that I've been blessed with. And not only was my disability cured thanks to the pregnancy with my child, but I was able to then go on and bless others here in, in Canada. I, it might be something very common elsewhere in the world, but our hospitals are now accepting breast milk for premature births and children who are having um, adverse side effects of formula in the incubators. And so I was able to not only be blessed with my own child, but also I was able to help save the lives of others who were in a very risky sort of situation. And all of these blessings sort of came about all at once, like a big waterfall of joy. And now I'm very blessed to have an almost six-year-old, if you can believe it. It's already been six years. It feels like yesterday. And with that second chance to living my best life, I found myself more able. And I gave my life a lot of thought and I said, my husband and I talked about it at length and we said, this is a really wonderful opportunity. I need a flexible working condition in order to be a present parent. We need the second income because life is expensive. And so we decided to give me the opportunity to pursue my ambition of following my late father's footsteps of entrepreneurialism having that flexible lifestyle and producing my own line of products, which is something I had always wanted to do. I had spent 10 years helping other people make their line of product. And I wanted that for myself. Didn't quite know what I was getting into when I launched my own product line. I thought it was all going to be design. And it's really not. It's really not. Uh, but I'm very happy to say that I did end up launching that. I worked very hard on the business plan. The mission statement of the business is to be a positive influence in the world. And that's it literally. It says to be a positive influence in the world. And so all of the decisions around that business plan ended up 
revolving around that, we always have to ask, I always have to ask, is this decision going to be a positive influence in the world? And if ever that answer is no, I don't do it. So choosing that product had to be ethical, had to be sustainable. It had to have enough margin to give back to charity. And all of my hiring, whether it's contract or co-op or hiring, which I did once, and I'm going to hold off on that for a little while longer, it, it had to be a positive influence. It had to be ethical. It had to be sustainable. And that's rather important to me because I lived through pain and suffering for so many years that I wanted to give goodness out. I wanted to attract goodness back to me. I wanted to harbor love and affection and kindness in everything that I do because I realized very quickly in my younger years going through those challenges that you can live without the hate and the judgment. And while you will always experience that, it doesn't need to be something that you do. And I took that and I've been running with it ever since. And I don't think I'll ever look back to it. And it's this really wonderful place where I get to just soak in the love of my family. And we will overcome the negative challenges. Like you won't always have good vibes. That's not how life works. But it's something that we're pursuing as a goal. It's, it's so heartwarming to hear of your journey that despite the disability that you had, you thought, you know what, I'm going to create a family anyway. And then also to be able to help other young babies with milk is, I just think that's absolutely wonderful. And I don't know if they do that here. I hope they do. That sounds I hope like so. Yeah, it sounds like a wonderful way to be like if something can be natural, then great. It's not always possible for mothers to be able to do that. So yeah, so it sounds fantastic. I, I was really blessed to be able to produce for two, even though I only had the one. And I'm really hoping that science is going to be more global. I hear that we are sometimes coming after the UK. So I'm assuming that you do have it there. We often look to you for what are you doing and how can we get onto that sort of boat show. But a lot of people, they don't realize that infertility can take a lot of different forms. And it's a wonderful conversation to have because someone might think, oh, I'm going to have to go through this expensive IVF. And sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's simply a matter of monitoring the hormones and being able to have that different elevation. I have something called PCOS, which is polycystic ovarian syndrome. And uh, yeah, it's extremely painful, isn't it? I'm, I'm very lucky in that I do have that too, but thankfully very mildly. So it's not something I've okay. really experienced many symptoms from, but I have had that hormone disruption. But I discovered this by working with a herbalist and I did have scans that then show this was the case, but the herbs, have been very healing for me. And I still take some of those herbs on a daily basis. And that helps to balance my hormones and has been fantastic. <laughs> as, as women go through various cycles, that's been fantastic. And actually the herbalist that I work with specializes in fertility and helping, helping women to be able to have a healthy period cycle and if they wish to get pregnant. 
That's fantastic. More of us should have access to this. And actually, just over the weekend, I met someone like that. So I think I'm going to have to give her a call. Because if I can do something naturally, I'd much prefer that. Definitely. I'm the same. If we break an arm or a leg, then we definitely want to go to hospital and get it fixed. I, th- I think there's a lot we can yeah. do to take control of our own health. But the fact is that doctors are not trained in nutrition. And despite the fact that many pharmaceuticals are based on herbal remedies, then they often don't know what is available and where can you deal with something that is more natural and when do we need a medical intervention? You're absolutely right. Yeah, if we can take, I think just take responsibility, take ownership of our own bodies and our own health and listening to our bodies, I think there is a lot that we can do. Yes, preventative medicine. If you can prevent yourself from needing to go to the doctors, if you can make sure that you are taking care of yourself, we don't all have to be the gym buff or eating salad greens and like the turkey leg every every single day. It can have a holistic, a very balanced approach. Take care of yourself as much as you can. And then when you need to go to the doctor for that support. And we have so much wealth of knowledge available to us. The internet was actually created so that medical medicine and information can be globalized. That was the initial intent of the internet. And he didn't expect us to share as many cat videos as we do. (laughs) But we can still use that to heal ourselves and to learn about these global opportunities. Indeed. Yes. And there's various people that I follow. So if anyone has any health challenges that you like me to direct you to some people, let me know, reach out to me, message me, and I'll have a conversation with you. And I'm not a medical professional, but I can point you in the direction of some different people. Yeah. Whether they be a practitioner in something or if there's some YouTube channels. And yeah. So how many years have you been going in the business then? That's really all about how you want to perceive it. In 2019, I started writing the business plan and figuring out my product. I started interviewing different manufacturers to make sure that I could get a really good quality product. I didn't want to put something up that was mediocre. I didn't want to put something up that was cheap. I wanted to get into the luxury spaces. It's a good product and I wanted to have a good product. Then there was always the opportunity of being able to be welcomed into those high quality spaces once in a while for meetings too, which was quite alluring. I'm not going to lie about that. But I started to write this business plan in 2019. And I decided to start in the Northern Ontario hospitality industry. These people are kind, they're hardworking, they're family oriented, they're open to new opportunities. And so I started to harbor these really wonderful foundational relationships with them because I wanted to pursue customization before getting into an online shop and offering my own line of product. I knew that was something that I was always going to do, but I started off with customization because it was new to the market. And I knew I could do that well. And so I had a couple of orders from one of the whole kids at the table who had a lot of influence over the rest of this community. 
And that community started telling me that at the trade show, they were going to come and have their hotels and resorts buy from me because they were very excited about this. And so I was supposed to launch the business on March 30th of 2020. Ten days prior to that, our country shut down and the marketing didn't pivot. The industry didn't pivot. Those contacts that I had harbored didn't learn how to use Zoom. Their hotels, their resorts were shut down. We've been shut down for an exceptionally long period of time compared to other global areas of the world. And so I've lost all of those connections and I had to build back. Now, fortunately, my family was having some significant challenges. I was working as an educator at the time. My daughter was three. And so I was a full-time parent. My husband's work wasn't as flexible as mine. So he would work from 6 a.m. until 3 p.m. I would take care of our daughter who still wasn't sleeping through the night. She would wake up three times at night like clockwork and have to be put back to sleep. So we weren't sleeping through the night. And then after he was done at 3 o'clock, we would have half an hour of family time. And I would go to work from 3.30 until 10 or whenever I needed to go back to sleep. Did that for about eight months. And then in between those moments, I had to rebuild the business. So I'd lost everything. My web developer ghosted me, taking the 50% deposit. My stock that I had invested in was stuck in Turkey for the duration of that time because the borders were closed. I had to rewrite the business plan. I had to rebrand the business because I had done a black and white branding and that I found out very quickly was no longer an acceptable way of moving forward because it didn't meet our mission statement anymore. And I had lost a huge amount of time and money. And so I had to rebuild. I've had to bootstrap. And I was set with a few more setbacks as far as funding and investing goes. And I rebuilt the business. Now, unfortunately, I didn't rebuild as well as I thought I had, probably because of the extreme fatigue. We had also had five emergency home renovations and nowhere else to sleep the night. So we were living through that. And so this year, I have rebuilt the business again. I've relayed the foundation. I created a new website. I'm working with a lot of mentors. I've been very privileged to gain access to a small grant and... So you could say that I started in 2019. You could say that I started in 2021. You could say that I started in 2022. And it's all just a matter of perception. Sometimes our origin stories leave us with this need to caffeinate, this requirement of being resilient, this wonderful opportunity to see just how strong we can be, just how committed we are to this wonderful thing that we've decided to make for ourselves. And I'm very grateful to say that because of my past, I knew how to navigate through extreme hardships. I had those skills. I wasn't going to buckle. And I knew what it was as I was building for our family. I know the opportunity that I'm given. I know that privilege that I'm sitting in, and especially with my husband being so incredibly supportive, with my mother and my chosen mother being so supportive. And, uh, and so that's where we are right now. We're very new. It's still a very small business, but it's, I'm very happy to say starting to take off and we're starting. I say we because the community around me is lifting me up to be able to do this. And so I use that language. 
I am starting to see this shift and this change and this opportunity in the last quarter. And I'm very excited to say I'm noticing that positivity being reflected back from the world around me. I think you started the first date that you mentioned. You just had a number of setbacks. There's a few things I want to go back to in what you shared there, Nikki. You said that you were ghosted by your web developer. Tell me more about that. So this was a lovely woman who I met through one of our entrepreneurial incubators. She was getting into web development. Her and I connected on a very deep and personal level. And I decided to give her an opportunity. She needed new clients to show her skills. She had made some very decent work in the past. Her prices were very reasonable. And I I knew that she was a single mom. I said, you know what? I need a website. You have the skills. You need to be able to show your talent. Let's get together and make this happen. And I believe what ended up happening is when the pandemic hit, she was faced with some extreme challenges that she could not overcome. And she wasn't able to fulfill that. And she probably wasn't able to pay me back. And so she ghosted me. And I was left with more than nothing. I found out also that even though I told her I was going to have to go back into WordPress and do the changes on the website myself, she hadn't set it up that way. And I think she had wasted a lot of time setting it up so that I would have to pay her to update the website, even though that wasn't part of the brief. And I believe that because of those two catastrophic challenges that we were facing that happened seamlessly within the same week, two week period, it was too much to overcome. And I've seen her once in public before, and she wasn't willing to, to speak with me. I also didn't try to approach her And I'm chalking it up as a learning opportunity with me to have something a little bit more clear and fine print to having those fail safes in present so that if something huge and catastrophic were to happen again, we know exactly what's going to happen. And while it was an extremely expensive learning opportunity, I don't judge her for it. I probably don't know the whole situation. I may have also been at fault for not communicating clear enough. And so I'm trying to make this opportunity to say, yes, that was awful. Yes, that was extremely challenging. But in 2020, there needs to be a lot more grace. And she was facing a lot of challenges as a single mother, as an entrepreneur, as a person of color. There were a lot of things that hit her probably much harder than me. And so... I would only send her love at this point. I was able to overcome those challenges. And I was really angry for a long time. I'm human. Bad things happened. But time gives a lot of perspective that way. And there needs to be some grace. So it's been long enough. I'm not going to go and revisit that. So it's water under the bridge. And I wish her nothing but the best. I think that's very gracious of you. And I think there's several lessons in that for listeners to take on board as well. This is not the first time that I've heard this kind of situation. So I think it always behoves us to have things in writing and to have the clarity and make sure there's real understanding. And a very simple thing, as well as things being in writing, is actually just saying to people, 
can you repeat back to me what we've agreed and just make sure exactly. that they're actually on the same page because people make so much assumptions and there's so much in our heads that can get in the way and it can be so easy for misunderstandings to happen and not to also mention that I see it from the other sides as well. I see it where clients have ghosted people without paying them. So I've seen it from both ends. Yeah. Nikki's looking yeah, very absolutely. shocked. Absolutely. Yes, I'm very shocked. That, and I shouldn't be shocked at this. This is unfortunately some of the things that we see in the world, but it's yes. not. And when you know your priorities in life, you can't have that little bit of clarity. But going back to that communication, having it in writing, having those bullet points, and not having paragraphs. Having sentences, having those, um, those, those key elements outlined. This is what I need. This is how I need it. If you can't provide that, if you don't provide that, these are the steps. Because often we assume that the other people are thinking what we're thinking or that they're hearing what we're saying. And sometimes we're not communicating that properly. And sometimes we're not. Doing that. And sometimes we don't ask the questions that need to be asked. I had someone call me and they said, look, I need 25 gift banks for this really great opportunity. And I stopped and I said, this is wonderful. And I'm open to whatever answer you're going to give me. But are you going to pay for those? Or is this a marketing opportunity for me? And she said, I hadn't thought of it yet. And I'm willing to pay you. And I said, let's meet in the middle. I'll give you wholesale prices. To because I recognize this opportunity, but I also need to cover my costs. And she said, you know, that's a really great thing to do. Let's do that. And by having those conversations, and that comes with practice, because back then, I didn't even know how to ask her for a website. I said, I need to show my stuff online. Can you do that for me? And that's not a clear brief. Like yeah. That's on me. And I did say, I have to be able to edit this, but I didn't tell her what my capabilities were. I said, I can use WordPress. I've used Elementor, but she didn't ask me how to use Tiva or whatever it was that she ended up using. And so there, it's always a two-sided thing. And if you can step back and say, where am I falling short? Where are they falling short? And how could we fix this? Or can we fix this? And then if not, how can we not burn our bridge moving forward? Because I've noticed that people in our circles often come back around in places that we least expect them. And if we burn those bridges, we've essentially cut ourselves off from some really fantastic adventures that we would have otherwise missed out on. It's something I love thinking about while I'm lying awake at night looking at the stars, but I really should be sleeping more. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sleep. Sleep is essential. <laughs> For sure. Yeah, I think there's plenty there for people to take. And I like the fact that you're also taking responsibility for your part in the situation. But I, I always, in my own life, in my own business, with my clients, I'm like, okay, what worked, what didn't, what are you going to do differently going forward? And so just reviewing things regularly just makes such a big difference to results. Because as long as you take the lesson and implement them going forward, Otherwise, people just repeat mistakes, don't they? Oh, absolutely. With my five-year-old, I often tell her, mistakes are just growing pains. They're opportunities to learn and to grow. And I haven't told her yet, but you never grow out of that. <laughs> Indeed. It doesn't matter how old we get. We will always make mistakes. And we have the opportunity to learn. One of my favorite 
resources is The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Stephen Covey. I just bought that and I've been wondering what to read next. So I'm going to have to start opening that because I've heard really good things about it. It was my first ever personal development and it blew my mind. And as a result of that, I, for the first time in my life, really, I took responsibility for my life. I took responsibility for the situations in my life. And that sent me on a whole different trajectory because up until that point, I would moan and I would complain and I would blame. And I didn't see that I was the common denominator in those situations. It was my actions. It was what I tolerated from other people. And that was the kind of the hinge that opened a fantastic door that has ultimately led me to where I am today. That's fantastic. I had a very similar experience. And I'd like to just say that to you and to myself and to anyone else who's experienced that, congratulations. Because it's an extremely vulnerable, difficult, introspective journey to make. But as soon as we made that, it changed everything. It's like going from decaf to espresso. It makes a world of difference. And it's a very difficult thing to do, Una. It's a very difficult thing to do, but isn't it so much better now? Oh my gosh. Yes, I could never go back. And I don't think you ever can. I think once you see the world in that different way, you can never unsee it. Sometimes people will say what you said about it can be a challenging journey. And I do think it does require some courage to go on that journey. For me... I'm not interested in climbing Mount Kilimanjaro. For me, I think a different kind of courage is what I love to explore. And it is that personal development, that business development. And really, every prospective client I talk to, I talk about the transformation that must take place in order for them to have the business that they really love. They're the common denominator in that situation, in their business. And if they don't have the results that they want, they first need to look at themselves. Now, occasionally I've found that women can overdo that and that they can often take on too much responsibility and think it's all them rather than looking at what is actually going on with the people. So there is a balance. There's a balance to be had in how you do that. However, It can seem very scary when you first make the switch from blame to responsibility. Yet, if you're not responsible, you're effectively powerless. It's a really interesting way of putting it. And you're almost powerless towards your own self-deprecating. That's really interesting insight. And I think that's why you're so good at what you do. Because you've done that work, you've done that journey, and you're able to bring us through that, which I love about you. And it's really fantastic. You've gone on those adventures within yourself, and you're able to be that guide through our own forest. And that's a really interesting way of looking at it. I'm going to leave here and give that very deep thought. That's very exciting. 
when you read the seven habits, I think that will come back to you and you'll be like, oh, yes, I remember Una saying this because when we are responsible, we have the power to change things. And if we don't have the power to change a situation, not everything is within our control. We have the power to think about it differently, to feel about it differently. And that will change yes, our experience of that. Absolutely. And going back, women falling into this trap almost. I tend to overthink things. And it's something that I've been working with some of my coaches with that I really do. I overthink it. And more often than not, the answer is so simple. And here I've thought that I've had to make charts and plans and documents and meet with people and do the coaching and all of these things where really when you go to someone else who knows what they're doing, who's been there, and they can just simply say, no, all it is this one simple mindset shift, this one simple way of speaking. So no, you don't have to make all of those documents. You make a three-sentence paragraph and you're good to go. Life isn't as complicated as we sometimes think it is. And we don't have to be as hard on ourselves as believe that we should be. And when you first start making that transition into taking responsibility or doing the unlearning that we often have to do in life, it doesn't have to be as complicated. So doing this in community with people who are genuinely trying to help us, who are genuinely trying to give us love and affection can be very liberating because it takes so much less time when you do it with people. You said sure. we don't have to be as hard on ourselves as we think we do. What if you just weren't hard on yourself at all? And that's where I'm doing the, le the learning because it's absolutely true. And see, I haven't even gotten there yet. But you're right. You're absolutely 100% right on that. When we are hard on ourselves, it's generally because we have been taught to be hard on ourselves. We saw perhaps our parents doing it or they were hard on us. both. And if we take responsibility for our part in a situation and make amends, remedy things to the best of our ability, we move forward with lessons. Why is there any need to be hard on ourselves? Because if we get the lesson and we implement that lesson forward, what else is there to do? We don't exactly. need to beat ourselves up. You're absolutely right. And as we move forward in our journey, we can recognize where we come from. And it's okay to be human and be fallible. It's okay to not always be the best version of yourself. And to give yourself a little bit of that grace, treat yourself like you would your best friend. Because often we tell our best friends things that we would never dream of telling ourselves. And then there's so much shame and that's a really big missed opportunity. Ooh, just wait until we dive into coaching Nikki on her single biggest business challenge in part two of this interview. She gets some crucial aha moments that get her unstuck and excited about specifically how to move forward in ways that suit who she is. 
That's all for today, folks. Have you subscribed to get more of this juicy goodness for your business? If not, tap that button now. Remember to check the description for links mentioned in this episode. Did you enjoy and find value in this free broadcast? I want you to know that I go so much deeper into the topics discussed with coaching and workshops based on my impact-driven growth model. Want to know how I can help you to double your profits without spending a penny more on marketing or ads? Let's arrange to hop on a call to discuss your goals and challenges and I'll show you how. Plus, when you book, I'll send you some free training videos too. Go book now at creativeflow.tv forward slash call with Una. That's creativeflow.tv forward slash call with Una.